Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Got Mountain West football kicking off in moments. And something that you would probably never think you'd say, which really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, uh, with the game coming up in a little bit, in a moment, uh, we're also preparing for Hawaii and Michigan. And it seems that a lot of people think that I'm crazy for one thing that I would take the under on in Hawaii and Michigan. Thank you, Doug Kazarian uh, from Daily Wager. That coming up in just a little while. We say hello. It's the Friday edition of the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. It is Motown Friday since uh, the University of Hawaii football team is in the uh, the state of Michigan. In a Motown from Detroit. They're playing in Ann Arbor. Uh, but close enough, we're going to go Motown all, all Friday long today. Just, you know, after the open billboard. So, uh... I've I have tasked Tanner in the other room who did not grow up in Motown. Neither did I. What? Oh, no, you've got your finger up. What now? I did visit the Motown Museum. Oh, did you? I had a trip, a school trip to Michigan to visit Mich- to vi- to visit Detroit. Okay. And one of those uh museum trips was to the Motown Museum down at the studio where they record everything, so it was it was an amazing experience. We had an awesome tour guide. I can't remember his name because uh, this was like four years ago, five uh-huh. years ago. Yeah. So, do want to say I do got experience. So hopefully I won't let you down. I'm starting to realize uh, that the school you went to must be pretty cool. If you're yeah, taking, some people uh, some people have heard of it. It's it's like a little famous. A little bit. So uh, Motown Friday. You know what? We'll we'll take some Motown requests throughout the show. We'll we're gonna channel my FM DJ background from way back when. We're taking your requests. Text them in at uh, 808-296-1420 via our Zephyr Insurance Hotline. Although the FM DJ background did not include the fake deep voice because we were told not to do that. Just talk. Uh, so uh, we'll do that all show long. We're watching Boise State in New Mexico right now, in which. I feel like I'm going to have to go to the doctor's office on uh, or the uh, uh, the eye doctor's office on Monday. Those red uniforms that New Mexico is wearing, you love them. Um, I feel like I'm watching blood on the field. Eleven droplets of blood against Boise State. It is that red and it is that searing to my eyes that. That, that cherry red is is just hazardous. Um, I'm probably owed a visit to the eye doctor anyway. You know, we're coming up on, on on play-by-play season, and that's usually when I make my visit to the eye doctor to make sure I'm all good because, you know, I don't want to miss anything, right, in uh, in doing my job. But I, I just I can't unsee that. And even because at some point uh, we're going to turn this game off because it's going to be bad. We're, we only have this on in the studio because – it's a Mountain West game, and uh, and it's on, and uh, you know. But my worry is, once you switch this channel, all those big red blobs on the screen will stay there. 
So even when you switch, you're gonna you're gonna put on U.S. Open tennis a little bit later on because I know you're watching Tiafo. When when you change the channel, you'll still see all that red just stuck on your screen. You're not gonna be able to get rid of it. The TV will be broken at that point because these jerseys are just so darn bad. Uh, but that is Boise State, New Mexico. And the other thing about Boise State in New Mexico. This is the one time in which we'll say New Mexico is going into this game with a better record than Boise State. We won't be saying it at the end of the game. I feel very good because uh, New Mexico is going to lose. Uh, but the Lobos did win last week. I think it was against Maine. Uh, not exciting. Boise State's loss came to Oregon State. So we're, we'll likely see Boise State pick up its first win of the season against a Mountain West team uh, sometime here tonight. But, of course, all eyes are on Hawaii and Michigan. And um, the one thing that apparently some people think I'm a, I'm a little loony over, I don't usually pay attention to a lot of the betting line things. You know, I, I realize even though we are in a state in which gambling is illegal, um, we talk about it for entertainment purposes only. And I do realize more and more people care about even some of the slight intricacies of some of the bets that are out there, some of the spreads, etc. And so earlier today, as I was watching uh, the Daily Wager on ESPN2, Doug Kazarian, who we've had on the show several times, um, he put up his his three. Um, and and his three, if you were to put like a, a package of three bets together, it would, you know, Hawaii and Michigan was going to be one of the three. But not the fact that Hawaii is a 51.5-point underdog to Michigan. Not that. It's that there is a first half prop bet. No, this is not a prop bet. Sorry. So there's there's a first half line on Hawaii and Michigan. And it is Michigan giving 33 and a half points to Hawaii in the first 30 minutes of the game. And my first instinct when I saw that was I would take the under on 33 and a half. Now, please don't take this the wrong way. This has no bearing whatsoever on how I feel like the game is ultimately going to go. Uh, this is going to be very tough for the University of Hawaii, um, undoubtedly. But there has been a trend in the first couple of games that I can't really ignore. And, and I feel like I have to separate the trend eventually from, from the reality. The trend has been Hawaii has been in each game in the first 30 minutes, and a lot of it has been based on defense. Um, you know, I, I've i seen later in the game as Hawaii's offense fails to really consistently move the ball down the field and produce, the defense gets tired, big plays get made, and the defense really in shambles in the second half. But in the first half has been where Hawaii's defense has been just fine. And 21 to 10, you know, yeah, you're giving up 21 points in the first half, but considering how usually the, the early parts of games go, um, they've been considerably in it. I also consider, and this is why, I actually do consider the under 33 and a half instead of the over 33 and a half. 
Michigan is not starting its starting quarterback from last week. Jim Harbaugh is doing the one quarterback this week, another quarterback the next week. Um, and I don't know how long he's going to do it for. This might be the last week he goes back and forth until he decides on somebody. This is, I think, by default, the number two guy who's going to start. And I don't know when we'll see. I think it's McNamara, who's the other quarterback. And we talked with someone about this yesterday. Um who will who will ultimately get into the game, but um, I I can't help but to think a quarterback with not a lot of time behind him in a, a game in which you're going to put up points. I'm not saying Hawaii's not going to get blown out potentially in the first half. What I am saying is I don't think Hawaii's going to be down 33 or 34 points. By the time they enter the locker room, I'm not saying it's going to be 21 to 10 either. Like I could see it's 28-0 possibly uh, by the time Hawaii hits the locker room. And there's your under 33 and a half in the first half. But I, I've, I've been amazed at how many people actually thought that I was crazy for it, for thinking that Hawaii would be, I, I, I think, a, a fairly good take uh, on the under on that side. I, you know, I think a lot of it too, for a lot of people who cover this team, um, or or the, not, maybe not even those who cover the team, but those who are just watching this team. And I remember someone called earlier today, and we never got to get him on the air. But at the same time, uh, one of the things they wanted to get off of their chest is what feels like this frustration of people just coming down on um, on this team after two games. And I do feel like a lot of people who might see the over potentially on that are probably looking at it just simply because, you know, it's it's been a rough couple of games and then it's Michigan. Um, but I'd like to believe that there's an opportunity for Hawaii's defense at least – and I'll give it at the very least the first quarter for Hawaii's defense to at least kind of keep things a little bit interesting. Obviously, if we were to talk about what you want to hope to see um, when you leave a game like this and what you may not end up seeing after a game like this, what you would hope to see is some kind of a breakthrough on offense. Uh, that is going to be difficult because I do believe if there's anything Michigan is going to excel at uh, going up against Hawaii, it is probably its defense. And with Hawaii, I think in a in a a tiny predicament. Well, no, it's not tiny. Uh, let's let's not sugarcoat it. Cameron Cooper's not there. Uh, Braden Shager's hurt, but cleared to play, which to me means don't play him. And uh, and and Joey Yellen's going to make his second start as a Rainbow Warrior with Eden and uh, and Farrell backing him up. That uh, I'm not sure how much offensively you end up taking away from this game. So you know, part of I I think when we when we look at all the the lines and everything, I, I think for us we look at it a little bit closer because we're here. We've seen Hawaii in each of the first couple of games. We're we're not sitting in a in a bookie's office in Vegas. We're not sitting in a casino in Vegas. And um, as much as it has been a little rough in the first couple of games, there are also the little things I think you you kind of pick apart 
um, that I think stand out. My worry is because, and I think I know why Doug Kazarian takes the over on the 33 and a half, because a lot of times when you get later in the game, you might take your foot off the pedal and you might coast to a win. You do all your major damage in the first half. You'll add a little bit more in the second half. And then you just kind of coast on to the finish line, make sure nobody gets hurt, you know, all that stuff. Where I see it as, I especially when you're going to play two quarterbacks, you probably want to go into next week. I, I think if, uh, uh, if Jim Harbaugh has his way, I think he wants to go into next week settled on a quarterback that I, I don't believe in his position – um, of, you know, continuing this this back and forth. I know it's UConn, but at some point, you you got to stop the back and forth. Um, I think you want to use this to kind of finally settle the race. So you'll play both quarterbacks. You'll probably play a third like they did last week. And I'm thinking of, of what Clemson did last week when uh, or on Monday when Clemson played Georgia Tech and they brought in the backup in which they love the backup. They brought him in, and they they were blowing out Georgia Tech, but they didn't take their foot off the gas. They ran hurry-up offense in the fourth quarter, um, ran the two-minute drill. Gino Toretta was on this radio show on Tuesday saying he thought that was very unsportsmanlike to do, but there's a reason clearly why they did it is because they wanted to give their backup quarterback, who may be an option to be a starting quarterback on that team at, at some point by the end of the year, a real look by giving him kind of a, a, a real game time situation, even though you're probably doing it against the backups against, uh, you know, Georgia Tech. And it's not really apples to apples. But I think we may see that for Michigan, where you get into the fourth quarter, they'll probably run it a little bit. But if they're if they're still doing a quarterback audition, I don't know that you're going to see them, you know, shift downward. They might try to keep that steady pace and steady tempo of their offense. And if they do, that second half could be a real runaway. That's why I say 33 and a half, I, I, I'd say under. But you tire out that defense if your offense struggles to move the football and the defense tires out, that second half could be long. It could be arduous. It could be drawn out. And uh, that that might not be a lot of fun. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can call us there. Uh, you can uh, uh, at that same number as well at 808-296-1420. And tweet the program. We are at Sports Animals. You can get to me at Josh on the radio. Uh, we'll keep following this Mountain West game as uh, as we continue on. But coming up next, another sport looking for relevancy during football season, even though they're still playing, actually made a little bit of relevant news. That's coming up after we take a look at surf. And after we remind you about call the coach. No, we're not going to remind you about call the coach. Not yet. We're going to remind you about countdown to kickoff. That's coming up tomorrow at Big City Diner in YPO. Arnold Martinez and I will see you at noon and we'll prepare you for Hawaii and Michigan. We'll go through some of the key storylines. Uh, we'll also have our warrior to remember coming up this week as well. Uh, Gary Dickman will have that interview. That is coming up tomorrow at noon. Plus, the Mega Modelos are on special. Make sure uh, you, you don't miss that. 25-ounce Modelo Especial draft for 7 bucks 
We've got the prize giveaways. We've got the annual year-end trip to Vegas we're giving away that you can sign up for. Uh, thank you to Paradise Beverages, Modelo Especial, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. Surf here. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. I guess if there's a song that you'd have to kick off Motown uh, Motown Friday with, then it's easy as uh, ABC. And one, two, three. Do you want me to keep going? Or just let them do it? That's what they call kind of hitting the post. Nice job kicking off Motown Friday with that, Tanner. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You can uh, hit us up on the Zephyr Insurance text line at uh, 808-296-1420. Uh, we'll, we'll take, I want to see what we do with Motown requests. We had, um, we didn't really have requests last week. We had one. But we, we, we mostly kind of just did Doobie Brothers Friday on our own. Uh, we want to make this a little more interactive, if at all possible. Uh, we'll get a Sports Center update coming up in just a little while. I found one person who doesn't think I'm crazy for going uh, under 33 and a half in the first half of that Michigan-Hawaii game. And, and, and is thinking along the same lines I am. And that's uh, at Warbo11 on Twitter. Said, uh... Hawaii's been outscored 77 to 7 in the second half. Does all right in the first half. And I do realize um, that some people will hear that stat and say, well, Michigan, which is true, is not Vanderbilt and it's not Western Kentucky. All of those things are very true. Uh, I'd also like to point out uh, none of those previous two teams that I mentioned had a uh, quote unquote quarterback controversy like Michigan seems to have uh, right in front of itself. We'll get back to uh, Michigan and Hawaii coming up in, uh, in in just a little while. Of course, the other one of the other big pieces of news in uh, in sports today came from Major League Baseball in which Major League Baseball has, uh, I wouldn't say agreed because they didn't have to, but the competition committee has put together um, they, they've they've put together new rules for the 2023 season. You'll see a pitch clock, which is going to be 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 seconds with, with runners on base. Uh, you'll see bigger bases, and you'll see the ending of the shift. And they're going to limit... Um, they're going to limit the amount of times you can throw over to, to first base to, to uh, pick off a runner. Um... I generally don't have much of a problem with about all of this, with the exception of the shift. Um, I have come to kind of appreciate – appreciation is different than liking, by the way. I don't want people to uh, to mix this up. I don't like clocks in baseball unless it has something to do with when you come back from a, from a TV timeout. Um, I don't like clocks in baseball. The clock in baseball we've seen in, in college baseball is kind of arbitrary just because it's kept on the field. There's just one that you kind of see 
but um, you don't really know if it's kept accurately or not. And not every college baseball facility has one. So the clock in college baseball is kind of lame. Um, you know, in, in watching a minor league baseball game up close and personal, I kind of came to the idea that, you know, it's not bad. It just needs to be done right. So I don't really, I don't really take too much of an issue with a clock in baseball. If it doesn't fundamentally change the way the game is played, which I don't think it will, maybe it, it makes it shorter. It did in, uh, uh, it, it did in minor league baseball. Then you know, cool. The one I don't like is the banning of the shift, which to me is is incredibly weak. And uh, we'll talk about that coming up in just a little while. Hey, next week, we're going to take the, uh, the the show. We're going to make it really big, put it on the road, and uh, have it over at Growler Hawaii on Kapahulu. It's the second edition of the really big road show with guests including big wave surfer Zeke Lau and uh, head coach Laura Beeman of the Rainbow Wahine basketball team. Rich Hill's going to stop by to make sure you join us 94 Brews on tap as well. You've got plenty of options, and the food is, as always, very good. Check it out at Growler Hawaii, the really big road show coming up next Thursday. we got Sports Center next. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I was waiting for when the uh, the instrumental part would drop. I was waiting for that. Welcome back. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu here on Motown Friday. This is the Sports Animals. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman will see you on Monday morning. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so uh, courtesy of our hotline. Uh, to our Twitter, which is at uh, Josh on the radio. Earlier, uh, I put up the uh, question on Twitter. Am I crazy to take the under on Michigan 33 and a half in the first half? And uh, a UM alum, a parent of one of the University of Hawaii baseball players, I won't say who, uh, on Twitter said, Josh, I feel like this game has let down written all over it. That being said, literally every bet I have placed in my life involving Michigan sports has lost. So good luck which makes it very awkward for me right now, but to say, please go and place a bet <laughs> on on this Michigan-Hawaii game because literally everyone has lost for you. Maybe you are the person that unlocks something positive coming on Saturday, and I don't know what that positive is. It could just simply be under 51 and a half. It could be outscoring Michigan in a quarter. It could be outscoring Michigan in a half. It could be outscoring uh, or having a lead on Michigan at any point in time, and maybe it could be winning. Um, it would be awkward for me to tell you what to do with your money, especially when Michigan has not worked out well for you at any given time in your life as a uh, as a betting fan. But could you just do the folks here at Hawaii a favor? I'm, 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 I'm just messing with them. Um, he does make a point though, because I know UConn next week is, well, it's also going to be a really tough watch. 
I don't think UConn's going to be a 51-and-a-half-point underdog. They might be close, but they are one of, kind of like what Hawaii is in the satire bottom 10. Hawaii is also kind of one of those, or UConn is also kind of one of those bottom 10 teams. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in, in how you schedule that scheduling, there is a science to scheduling that if you're going to schedule teams that may not necessarily be towards your level, that I think that there is a way that you do it. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to compare Hawaii being at Michigan's level, but, I mean, Michigan, if, if this is how Michigan is going to schedule consistently, then I believe it is, a, is an incredible disservice uh, to Michigan fans, and I think it is an incredible disservice to the team to schedule this way. Look, um, you are not Rutgers, and you are not uh, Maryland. And I realize none of these teams are FCS teams, but I, I will pick a big bone here with with Michigan's football staff and with that athletic department. You want to be a big boy? You want to be a championship contender? You want to do all the things that will prepare you to beat Michigan? Your scheduling in the first three weeks in non-conference is frankly unacceptable. I expect Michigan to at least have one game in its non-conference that would be considered, you know, acceptably tough. Last year, that game was Washington. Oh, last year, they also had all three of their non-conference games at home. They didn't go on the road until October 2nd. They didn't leave Ann Arbor for a month. The schedule this year actually kind of mirrors that for Michigan. They don't leave Ann Arbor until October when they play Iowa. Their first four games are played at the big house. That, to me, is ridiculous for a power conference team to have a schedule that looks like that as its non-conference. You know, last year, okay. You put Washington in the middle. That's a power conference team. You know, that's fine. Their non-conference in 2019. I'm going to, 2020, they didn't play out of conference, so I, I can't count it. Uh, 2019, Middle Tennessee State and Army. Oh, and they needed two overtimes to beat Army. Remember that back in, uh, back in 2019? It's making me wonder, and, and I didn't think about this coming into the show. Um, the last time Michigan has played a not, and I'm not talking about a bowl game. The last time Michigan has played a regular season out-of-conference game away from Ann Arbor, you have to go back to 2018. They lost to Notre Dame at Notre Dame 24-17. Every non-conference game in season since has been at home, and that is embarrassing. You can, but you know what? The Alabamas go and play some of those neutral site classics. 
Notre Dame's going away from South Bend. They're playing a game in Vegas. Um, there are teams that are willing to challenge themselves. And then here's Michigan with what, to me, is just kind of, you know, weak. And if you're going to do, you know, weak, if you're going to do that, if you're going to schedule a week, you know, what they did last year when you put Wisconsin in the middle, fine. That's, to me, that's okay. You want to break up two lower-level FBS teams with a power conference team, then go for it. Go ahead and do that. But going three mid-majors, group of fives, back-to-back-to-back, where you know you're going to win by at least 30 points, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, back-to-back-to-back, is should be illegal. And that should honestly that should disqualify you from a college football playoff uh even look at a semifinal appearance right now in the four team system if they are undefeated because what challenge did you give? Look, they don't have a single challenge really um until they play Penn State on October 15th cuz I mean I Maryland Maryland's not going to challenge Michigan no offense uh, to Maryland starting quarterback. Iowa can't score, so Iowa's not going to challenge Michigan. Indiana's not going to challenge Michigan. Indiana's peak hit in the last couple of years. It's going to be October 15th and then a bye, and then it's going to be October 29th, and then we'll know something, at least a little bit about Michigan. Other than that, we're going to know squat about Michigan. That is weak. Our number 808-296-1420. Uh, you can text us at our Zephyr Insurance text line, which uh, texter from the 780 did. Well, Josh, they want to go to playoffs, LOL. Honestly, if they run the table in this schedule, it would all it, it would have to depend on who else is either undefeated or how many SEC teams you really would consider for for the top four. Just take a look at this excuse for a schedule. There are only three games on this Michigan schedule that I would even consider to be close or should be close. It's Penn State and Michigan State, and then at the end of the year when they play at Ohio State. You really you really want me to believe that I should be looking at, at Michigan and how good they are uh, if we if we go by the same eye test that we do to the group of fives, you want me to believe that Michigan is great if they are blowing out Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Iowa, and Indiana, along with the sorriest excuse for a non-conference schedule that I have seen in a while out of a Power Five conference team. I wouldn't if they were undefeated. Through that, with a quarterback controversy right now at the beginning of the year, and there are other teams. If if there's an, a one-loss SEC team with a better schedule, I'm taking a one-loss SEC team with a better schedule over Michigan. Give me three SEC teams to play in a in a uh, college football playoff semifinal list. Give me three. I'll take a few over Michigan. This is silly. 
Jen texts in at 808-296-1420. Says, Josh, UH will win tomorrow, 38-36, to four overtimes. Um, was this on NCAA football 14 on a PlayStation 3, Jen? Did you do like 100 simulations of this? Going from way back when, because I don't think it's going to be a 38 to 36 game in four overtimes. But you know what? Again, hey, what did you have for lunch today? I want to know what you had for lunch that's giving you the feeling that, uh, oh, he says yes, he did. (laughs) Coming from NCAA football uh, with the 2017. Okay. I was going to say, tell me what you had for lunch because it must have been really good. And remind me next Friday to feel that same optimism to know what to eat for lunch that would make me feel that good to say Hawaii 38 to 36 in four overtimes in Michigan. And Jen responds and said, I had Taco Bell. Uh, Okay. I was hoping it was more like, (laughs) I was hoping it was more like, hey, I had a, a, a Calbee plate. With uh, with rice or my go to whenever I go somewhere, the first thing I usually have if they have it is chicken katsu because I am a believer that how good a place is is very dependent on how good the chicken katsu is. If the chicken katsu is really, really good, then I feel like I can trust most anything on the menu. If the chicken katsu is lacking or it's not very good, then I, I I don't know that I can trust anything on the menu. And I don't even know if I could go back. That is my baseline for anything plate lunch worthy. It starts with chicken katsu. Time for our M Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M Dyer Global. Uh, moving Hawaii into the future. A couple of college football games on the schedule. Uh, we were just watching Boise State in New Mexico, and it was awful for the first maybe 10 minutes of that first quarter it, it was it, it it's 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 below Boise State standards but then again Boise State standards won't be met this year news flash we already know they're not going undefeated news flash Boise State's not playing for the Mountain West championship uh you can end your hopes already on that it won't happen um they were going toe to toe with New Mexico and when i mean toe to toe I mean, they were trading three and outs in the first half of the first quarter. It was riveting. Uh, But Boise State just scored a moment ago. 7-0, just seven seconds uh, into the second quarter. Uh, New Mexico with 10 total yards of offense. I think even New Mexico can't even stand the sight of their own teammates' red, bright cherry red jerseys in their eyes. I think that's hurting them. It's hurting me, and it's still seared on the screen here. How can you play with 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 jerseys so bright red and expect to win? They're awful. Uh, the only other game uh, on the schedule of notes is in the third quarter. It's on ESPN two. UCF is leading Louisville fourteen to seven. What were the announcers talking about before the game? UCF with hopes of being what Cincinnati was last year as a team that busts the college football playoff system and gets into the semifinals. It won't happen. It's a good thought. Uh, but UCF is not uh, is not breaking the system. 
like like Cincinnati did. But they are up 14-7, looking to go to 2-0. Again, that game is on ESPN2. That is your M. Dyer Global scoreboard, brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Motown Fridays bringing out the hits. I'm just enjoying getting surprised. Um, I am not directing this this portion of the show. I'll direct everything else. This portion, I'm uh, I'm I'm just leaving to the control room to take care of, and uh, my trust in the control room here in this first hour has uh, has definitely been rewarded. Nicely done. Coming up, as I uh, as I teased earlier, why I'm really just kind of annoyed with just the shift with what baseball's going to get rid of next year. That's it. I don't don't have a problem with anything else. Truly, I can get over a clock, but the shift. That's the one thing that's that's uh, that's been on my mind. Uh, our Zephyr Insurance text line, uh, texter from the 551. I have my thoughts on last night's game, but what are some of the most egregious overreactions, whether they're entertaining, mind-boggling, or hold some merit that you've heard from Bills versus Rams? Um, I don't, I don't think I've heard any overreaction from, um, from Bills Rams. And I mean... We kind of talked about the game when it wrapped up last night. I don't believe that you can peg the Rams down a lot um, from the Bills, you know, beating them by several scores. But I, um, I contend going in, I wasn't sure that the Los Angeles Rams were even, you know, an NFC championship team to begin with. I believe I picked the Rams, if I'm not mistaken, just because they were at home. Um, and I and, and and for both teams, both teams to me are just kind of having to prove something. Uh, and and I don't know that you prove something in one game. You know, do you feel like you still are a little concerned with with Matthew Stafford's elbow? Uh, maybe, maybe my bigger concern, honestly, is. Um, Matthew Stafford, I think, was trained heavily on Cooper Cup. And understandably so. He's one of the best receivers in football, period. No argument. But if the Rams want to take that offense to a a championship caliber level, uh, it's got to be a lot more than Cooper Cup. And part of me wonders, is Matt Stafford too trained on Cooper Cup? That uh, if he's even just you know, close to open that he is, you know, you'll take a chance going to him as compared to a, maybe a safer option. I don't know. Um, he was targeted a lot. He did catch a lot. And, and we saw some guys not as involved, but I don't know if there's a, an overreaction, I think from, from yesterday's game. I don't, I don't think we hit that point. John, thank you for calling into the show at 808-296-1420. How are you? Hey, I heard a lot of overreaction. The, the Buffalo Bills already won the Super Bowl, and the Rams have no chance. <laughs> After, uh, I mean, it is game one. I mean, how 
can you know who's who and what's what yet? So, but it was it was you know I was so looking forward to the season, the opening of the season, and I can't believe how much of a snoozer that was. You know, I I had no dog in the fight, so you know the first quarter looked like all right, we're gonna have some action, but man, that game fell apart real quickly, and I had to change the channel. Um, I'll say this about your prop bet. I, I I know they were they had two quarterbacks. So after you mentioned that, I just googled McCarthy, and I and then I I, I heard a, an interview with his his quarterback coach. He's, uh, he, the guy runs a quarterback camp, and uh, he's had him since he was in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And he made this guy sound like the second coming, like Jamal. He, he's like Mahomes, Rogers, and. A running quarterback all put together. And they say it might be more explosive with this guy. I was like, man, let's get the guy from last week. I think that 33 could be in jeopardy, man. I don't know. You have a good day. Hello. All right. Go thank home. you, John. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you calling. What he's referring to, uh, for those that may, may not have heard earlier in the show, um, I was referencing a line that is up in Vegas that has Michigan giving 33 and a half points to Hawaii in the first 30 minutes. And I only saw it because uh, I I saw it on television earlier today, and I had a strong reaction to it. I I felt very strongly that I don't think it's going to be a 33-and-a-half-point game, literally and figuratively. Um, So I I said to myself, you know what? I, I feel like if I were to, and I'm not someone who does, um... I would take the under. Not saying it's going to be like a 10-point game or something, but I don't know that it's going to be in the 30s at halftime. So I kind of felt like the under made more sense. I feel like the second half could be a whole lot worse than the first half if the trends play the way they have been in the first couple of games of the year. And so far, most everybody thinks I'm crazy except for one person. Uh, but I'm I'm used to that. That's uh, that's 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 life in a nutshell for me. Uh, don't forget next Thursday we'll see you at Growler Hawaii. It is the really big road show, and uh, we'll have some special guests that will be stopping on by. Rich Hill is going to join us, University of Hawaii baseball coach. We're excited to have Zeke Lau, uh, who will be with us. I think he's going to be there uh, back end of the four o'clock hour. Uh, so we're happy to have him. Uh, of course, 94 different types of brews on tap. And uh, a, a lot for you to check out. So we uh, we hope to see you at Growler Hawaii. That's coming up on uh, on on Thursday. We'll see you there. All right, we got uh, Sports Center coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, we'll get back to my issue with the shift in a little while as baseball made some news today to try to break through what is really right now a quiet point for baseball because now we're all watching football and for good reason. That's coming up. I'm Josh Pacheco. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman will see you on Monday morning. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. you're just sitting in and you're wondering what happened good things happened this is what we call motown friday 
Our Fridays, we're theming them up. Last week, it was all about the Doobie Brothers. Today, it's Motown Friday, and that is all part of Hawaii being on the road in the state of Michigan. It was known for Motown, and so uh, football aside, I mean, we can celebrate some music, right? We can, we can, uh, we can have a little fun with, with music that that state made so famous. Clean this song. Uh, you're, you've got Motown requests. We'll try to throw them in at uh, 808-296-1420. That is our Zephyr Insurance text line. Coming up in uh, just a little while, we'll get back to uh, Hawaii, Michigan. Of course, big night tonight with uh, University of Hawaii Volleyball taking on USC after a couple of important wins uh, last weekend. The loss to UCLA, one that got away in five sets. Um, but uh, pretty important with the final uh, final non-conference matchups for Hawaii uh, going into conference play in a couple of weeks. And, of course, tomorrow, uh, Wahine on the Rise Field Day uh, leads into uh, Rainbow Wahine Volleyball, 4-6 to six of the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. And uh, if you're one of the uh, the lucky few to get there, one of the first few to get there, you could uh, you could score tickets to check out Hawaii volleyball against USC tomorrow night. So uh, plenty, plenty to do. Uh, our Zephyr Insurance text line, our phone lines, our Twitter feed at 80829, uh, or I'm sorry, our Twitter feed at Josh on the radio. Uh, you can get to me there and at Sports Animals. Uh, Baseball tried to do something today, partly for relevancy, partly because baseball thinks that it understands the fan. (laughs) Baseball thinks it understands the fan. See, baseball is still in this um, save the game kind of mode where it wants people to still watch. And so in its its relevancy uh, or lack thereof at times, which is just, it, it's it's sad, and I'll explain why in a moment. It's still trying to change rules that it thinks will make the game better. Now, uh, the rules that were announced today is as rules changes, uh, a pitch clock, 15 seconds with no one on base, 20 seconds with runners on base. Uh, you got that. Uh, you've got bigger bases by a few, uh, a few, uh, I, I think it's square feet, I think is what they had it. And uh, the shift. They're banning the shift. Although once a pitcher starts his pitching motion, I guess you can move. But for, they're they're banning having three infielders on one side of the infield or four infielders on one side of the infield, as I think the, uh, the Dodgers do that one time. I think they did. Um, it's pathetic, frankly. And... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll equate it in a moment to something that we've seen in the NBA. I actually haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, uh, when the NBA used to have, you, you remember the rule, uh, illegal defense. Remember the the NBA used to have illegal defense. Uh, if you basically were not playing near your man, um, they would call you for illegal defense. I think it was like a, a, a technical foul free throw, and then the other team would get the ball back. Um, it was it was weak, and I kind of liken this to that, and I'll explain that a little bit more in a moment. Jeff Passan earlier today uh, on ESPN Television on the rules changes 
uh, that Major League Baseball basically forced on the league earlier today. Everybody wants to have hot takes on banning the shift, L, because the shift has been the bane of some people's existence and the most wonderful thing to happen since sliced bread for others since its inception. But let's talk about the pitch clock because I believe this is going to be the most fundamental change in baseball rules in decades. And all you have to do is look at the minor leagues. Uh, the average game time this year in the minor leagues dropped by more than 20 minutes. And for Major League Baseball, which is coming up on three hours, 10 minutes average game time, with the hope of getting closer to two hours and 30 minutes, the pitch clock is the panacea that everybody is looking for. If you have seen a minor league game this year, you are a fan of the pitch clock. It makes for a much cleaner, quicker, crisper brand of baseball. I can say this right now, you are going to love it when you see it next year. That's Jeff Passan, uh, ESPN Major League Baseball insider. That was on SportsCenter earlier today uh, with anchor L. Duncan. I don't, I don't know that people will at the end of the day remember the pitch clock. Like I don't think the pitch clock necessarily makes the game better. I think it, it, you know, it's intended to to pick up the pace of the game, but that doesn't necessarily pace of the game doesn't necessarily mean better. Uh, and I, I think that's that's an important difference. Uh, better means quality. And, um, you know, 15 seconds per pitch does not necessarily mean quality. What it probably will end up meaning, 15 seconds, is it will probably lead, lead to not just um, shorter time between pitches, but it will probably end up leading to shorter at-bats because – Within that time of 15 seconds, you're probably not wasting pitches anymore. You got an 0-2 count. I don't know that you're spending time thinking about where you're going to waste a fastball up and away. Um, that you're probably going to see more strikes, less walks, uh, more balls hit and play. That can be good, can be bad. Doesn't necessarily mean it's quality. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. The one minor league game that I watched, it was... Um, it was in Sacramento when I was on a baseball road trip. It was the uh, the River Cats game against the Oklahoma City Dodgers, which I still will always remember was the game in which someone got ejected from the game for a uh, pitch clock violation within the first minute of the game. And I will always remember it because it wasn't the pitcher. It was the batter uh, who took too long to get back in the box. And uh, he didn't like it, so he said some things to the home plate umpire, and that batter within the first minute of the game, first at bat of the game, ejected. And it was so riveting because for his violation of not getting back into the box in time, it took a good five minutes for them to get the game back underway because it took so darn long for him to leave. Like, it was, he, you know, he, he argues, he gets ejected, the Dodgers manager goes out and argues it, but not for very long. And then the player literally goes into the dugout. No, well, he doesn't go in the dugout. Well, he goes into the dugout, grabs his stuff, uh, his his bats and all that. And there was, I mean, I, I think there is a, a locker room underneath, but he didn't go there. He grabbed his stuff, walked out of the dugout, walked up the stairs onto the field. From the first base side dugout, he walked all some of what, nearly 400 feet, 
to the wall out in center, and he took his sweet darn time doing so and exited the field from out in center field where I'm sure there was a bus waiting for him to get him back to the hotel where uh, where he could chill for the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, that took a good five minutes. The pitch clock was what around, what, 18 seconds, I think it was, in uh, in the minors with nobody on base. And that was the first batter of the game. But I, I did note when I watched the game that, that the game felt quicker. But I... Um, but I didn't feel like I was watching a better game. I didn't feel like I was watching a quality game. I just felt like I was watching like the same old game. I I didn't think to myself outside of noting, oh, it's kind of we're already in the eighth inning. Okay, uh, and I looked at the time and it seemed like it was it was kind of fast. But I didn't think to myself the quality of this is better. That you know I'm watching a, a, a an improved product. It's just oh, it's just time's flown by. But I've always never been a person that has complained so much about time, except from the Red Sox and Yankees play, because it is consistently awful when the Red Sox and Yankees play. Other than that, it's never really been a problem. Um, the shift one is kind of a big deal for me. You know, I remember uh, NBA, we were, I was just mentioning earlier, illegal defense. Because it's it's one of the clear, obvious signs that the NBA wants offense, they don't want good defenses. They don't want to slow down a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant. They don't want that. They want offense, and they want offense all the time. So, you know, it, you, you've got to be near the defender, and if you're not near the defender, like, I don't think you could play a zone defense at the time in the NBA, and if you were caught playing an illegal type of defense, the other team got a free throw attempt, and it was kind of like a team technical. I haven't seen it nowadays, and they might have relaxed it, but this is kind of like that. Um, it is so blatantly rewarding of offense that takes the strategy out of the game, and I think strategy and sports go hand in hand. Every sport has strategy. Yes, even tennis has strategy. We were watching it earlier, and I'm not saying it's a knock. I'm saying that's that's one of the things I like. You're going to hit more to a to an opponent's backhand side than a forehand if their backhand is considered to be weaker than their forehand. Um, you're going to run to the net a little bit more if you feel like um, that's a weakness of your opponent if they're not good in the in the uh, in the volley game. If you're a great server and volleyer, uh, that's a great advantage for you. Um, but you're trying to take the strategy out of baseball for a defense. But yet you're trying to improve the strategy of an offense. And that doesn't seem right. It's an, it's an obvious attempt to get more offense in the game. But here's the funny thing. We have offensive storylines in baseball right now. And, you know, it's getting kind of unnoticed, partly because football's back. Aaron Judge is hitting home runs at a record pace. And how many people are talking about that right now? Not a lot. Um, Albert Pujols is nearing 700 home runs. How many people are talking about that right now? It's inconsistent. It's neither here nor there. You have offense. I mean, the problem is for the Yankees, Aaron Judge is their only offense. But you have offense. And it's not like... Um, 
you know, and, and that's with the shift. So I don't understand why that is so important to change. They've already kind of worked on that in, in lower levels. I, I, I don't see the, I don't, again, I don't see how it makes the game better. Usually when you make rules, it's to improve something or to fix something. I don't know that it's something that needs improving or fixing. John, thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420. How are you on this Friday afternoon? Good. I was kind of looking at those rule changes. Um, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, I, I never liked the shift. And, I, of course, being a Cubs fan or something, but if I got my left-handed hitter up there and everybody's on the right, uh, between second base and first, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I'm glad they got rid of that. But the one that's kind of weird to me is that they're making the bases bigger. I don't know. Maybe what they could do is put a bunch of Velcro on the bases so when you're sliding in there uh, trying to steal a base, you'll stick to the base and you won't, like, slide off of it. <laughs> no, I actually I, I actually kind of like, uh, uh, you know, when guys – it all comes back to fundamentals, right? If your fundamentals aren't great, you slide past the base. That's on you. That's, that's, that, that is on you. Why do you need a bigger you. base? I can't understand that. They're saying that um, – <laughs> They're saying it's for safety reasons, um, you know, bigger bases, especially at first base. That's more space uh, for you know, between a first baseman and a, and a runner going up the line. I think that's what they're kind of saying. And it's it's bigger bases everywhere except home, of course. Um, but they're okay, saying safety, so and they think it will, second. and they think it will lead to more speed yeah. of the game, more base running, uh, more more stolen okay, bases. So. So I'm I'm saying Velcro on second base and give them big mittens that are gonna uh, stick to the base when you go sliding by, so you don't go over the base. But uh, I'm just being ridiculous. But that's about as dumb as that rule is to me. Got it, John. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate you listening. Uh, Devin tweets in. What about the pitch clock for Hawaii baseball games? The first series against Washington State felt way too long for nine inning games. Um. It was long. There were several games that were four-hour games. But I think a, a lot of that, there was the strategy within the game. It's not like the games were bad. It it was it was long. Um, and I think uh, that was kind of like the brand of baseball, I think, in the first month of the year. You had a lot of mound visits. You had a lot of offensive timeouts. Early in the year, you're kind of like figuring out your team, especially with a first-year head coach. So, yeah, it got kind of long. It, it should also be noted that um, you couldn't see the pitch clock. Uh, but in games like at Les Murakami Stadium earlier in the year, uh, the umpires do keep the pitch clock on the field. Even if you don't see it, the pitch clock is kept by an umpire. And usually I think it's the umpire at third. Um, so it's not like it doesn't exist. The problem is, and, and I've railed on this for a while, um, it's inconsistent. To me, it's got to be on the field. Um, like any rule, I'm, I'm a believer that fans going to a game should be able to understand what's going on. And, you know, if, if a pitcher is called for a, um, you know, a, a, a violation of the pitch clock, the fans should be able to have an ability to understand it and see it. If, um, you know, there's no pitch clock. If a fan can't see a pitch clock and the umpire makes that decision, you know, for the casual fan who may not go all the time and may not understand some of the intricacies, they're going to look at that and be like, well, what's going on? 
and then they're going to get confused. And why did this guy go here? Why did that guy go there? Why aren't they saying anything? Why doesn't the PA announcer say something? Um, And then they don't go to games because they don't quite understand, well, what's going on? I am a believer that you should be able to visually understand what is happening. If you're going to have a clock, then the clock needs to be visible for all, not just held by an umpire in his pocket where you kind of question, huh, was that kept kind of fast or was that kept kind of too slow? No, everybody should see in baseball, it's going to be 15 seconds between pitches. Everybody should see a 15-second clock or the 20-second clock. If you can't do that, then you can't have the rule. And uh, if schools are saying, well, we don't have the ability to do it right now, then the conferences should help out and be able to make it happen for every school to have that resource, to have the clock there. My only complaint, um, you know, it was inconsistent here. Um, We have a clock that counts down between innings. It counts down at two minutes. Now, I don't know the technology of it, but if you have a two-minute clock between innings, then what's the problem of using that same clock that's visible to everybody um, to count down from 30? Because I would say 75 to 80% of the people who go to Les Murakami Stadium, I know, speaking of clocks, I have to hit a break on this clock right now. 75 to 80% of the people can't see the pitch clock when it is there at Les Murakami Stadium because it's above the dugouts. They can't see it. Broadcasters can't see it. Uh, it's a disservice. And the fans should be able to see it. If not, if you can't figure that out across the board, across college baseball, you shouldn't have it. Uh, don't forget, join us tomorrow, Big City Diner, YPO. It is a countdown to kickoff uh, on the Rainbow Warrior Network right here on ESPN Honolulu. Arnold Martinez and I will see you there. Uh, We'll break down the game leading up to kickoff of Hawaii and Michigan. And while you are there, enjoy great big city diner food and the Mega Modelos, the 25-ounce Modelo Especial draft for just $7. Prize giveaways as well. Uh, Thank you to Paradise Beverages, Diotani Produce, Coca-Cola, and Modelo Especial. Traffic here. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Great to have you in. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so uh, courtesy of our hotline. Coming up, we got to look at surf. We've got Sports Center on the way as we uh, as we get you through this uh, Motown Monday. We'll get back to Hawaii. Uh, did I say Motown Monday? Motown Monday just sounds... It sounds right. Motown Friday doesn't move off the tongue as much. Uh, yeah, it's Motown Friday. We'll uh, we'll continue the tunes. Uh, got a few requests that have come in already. We'll try to slip those in here on the show as well. That's coming up. Uh, Sports Center on the way first. By the way, Boise State, New Mexico, UGLY, and they they ain't got no alibi either. Uh, it's bad. It's it's bad. But surf first, it's uh, Sports Animals, ESPN Honolulu.
Jeff, this is your request. This is the perfect soundtrack while watching Boise State in New Mexico. <laughs> there, it's like, it's like putting ketchup on your rice. The song in the background of Boise State in New Mexico. You looked at me really funny when I said that, Tanner. What 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 did what did I get wrong? There's nothing wrong with putting ketchup on rice. Oh, there. I was a ketchup on rice. Oh, man. there so. There's is. nothing wrong. There's there, nothing wrong. No. Maybe maybe I'm blinded by the fact that these cherry red New Mexico jerseys are still searing my eyes uh, on this screen because we've gone back to this game, which is bloody awful. We're keeping the theme. You didn't know I was going there. It's 10-zip Boise State with three seconds to go in the first half. The offense is... Uh, the offense has been abysmal. Tanner just told me in my ear, 64 total yards of offense um, for New for New Mexico, and yet they have a chance to make this a one-score game going into half by uh, by kicking a field goal. Please just miss it just to, just to you know, oh, no. <laughs> Boise State's going to ice them. Anyway. Um, you can't freeze something that red hot. <laughs> Boise State has three timeouts, and they're going to use all of them. They're going to use all of them nice to kick her. Anyway, you can't be serious by saying ketchup on rice is all right. As a child, it was all right. I don't do it anymore. Okay. I will say that. I was a obsessed ketchup kid. I will say a couple of years ago that stopped. Uh, I enjoy the regular flavors that go on, and I don't need any more uh, sweet, vinegary uh, tomato sauce to uh, yeah. eat things anymore. And, and by regular flavors, I'm just curious, by regular flavors, you mean what? Rice, steak, <laughs> chicken. <laughs> I can enjoy them with mm -hmm. the spices that they were cooked with. Yes. Um, I, I am a believer, by the way. I, I, do, I don't mind sauce on rice. I'm just saying ketchup is probably the worst one you could put on rice see i'm a believer in flavor and sometimes um sometimes chicken steak may not be cooked with the spices that are necessary to go well with said rice so while i i mock your ketchup on rice i give you steak sauce on rice yeah um what is steak sauce but just the adult ketchup i guess um, I give you barbecue sauce on rice. Depends the type, though. It's not 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 every single type. Um, and I give you shoyu and wasabi mixed together on rice. That's uh, that that is my go-to. Texter from the uh, seven nine seven. Try mayonnaise on crackers. Pass. I've never heard of that. Mayonnaise on crackers until just now. I just wonder why. <laughs> like, where does that come from? Texter from the 223. Um, I still do it now. Same as ketchup on eggs. I, I don't, I've never done ketchup on eggs, but just from the visual. I don't know that I have a problem with putting ketchup on eggs. That's that's a little bit different. Uh, one more uh, texture from the 223. Oh, there's two more. Uh, same thing. Texture from the 223. Nothing wrong with ketchup on rice. Uh, texture from the 627. Nobody puts ketchup on rice on purpose who is local. I don't know that. <laughs> and and I've 
born and raised here, lived my entire life. All I just know is I will not do ketchup on rice. Uh, and one more here from the 492. Mayonnaise on chili. Nothing wrong with that. I got zero issue with it. You were going to say like something. That's like when you get the uh, mac salad with that that seeps into your Zippy's chili right there. I get that. But I was going to say, with the whole uh, ketchup on rice, mm-hmm. I am born and raised here. So, unfortunately, now that guy knows a person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, nice I will th- say I'm glad you guys could could connect together. Right, and you say ketchup on eggs. What I always do, I will always do this. Still, if I get corned beef hash, I get it extra crispy, and I get ketchup with it because it helps uh with the corned beef hash. I don't know why, it just mixes very well for me. Okay, and yeah, I think that's the closest I get to ketchup on rice because I kind of make a one bite fork mm-hmm. out of everything. So yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong here. Oh, I'm I'm a one people, bite. People people can have their tastes when they're when they're younger and mix ketchup on rice and still be from Hawaii. And it's then they fine. get and then they get fine. smarter later when they realize, oh, that might not have been good for my health. Exactly. Um, and then we stop. Look at me now. Um, I'm a I'm a if, if I know you, I I'm not going there because I have no nothing to say on that. Um, if I know you going by one uh one bite fork or however you said it. I think you mean you your bite is it's not rice by itself. It's a little bit of rice. It's a little bit of whether it is chicken or steak or or hamburger or whatever it is. I am the same way. Even if I put something on rice, I can't have a I can't have rice by itself unless that is all that is left on my plate. And I am I am way too um uh, I, I'm way too particular about this. The, the portioning of the amount of rice versus the amount of chicken, steak, beef, fish, etc., that it has to be to the point where I'm finishing both at the same time. I can't have more of one than the other, except if there's, like, more fish or whatever, then okay, fine. But it's got to be to the point where the portions are equal, so I'm finishing them both together. I don't think that's You're preaching crazy. to the choir, Josh. Yeah, um, this is some. This is an issue I deal with. Me and my friend, we talk about it all the time. Really, we've talked about it several times this summer. Really, yeah. <laughs> Where it's the I gotta I gotta have the perfect ratio. I can't have anything left over by the end. I gotta eat everything at the same time. And if I leave anything left over, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can't have any losses on my record. Texter from the six three six. I don't know what we just opened here. Um... In, in, in this segment. This was not intended. It was tent, It was meant to be like a wisecrack on Boise State, New Mexico, and it turned into this, whatever this is. Um, texture from the 636. Butter on rice and mayo on chili. Mayo on chili, zero issue. I, I, I've had it. I like it. Um, I am a little more particular on the type of chili, um, I am not someone who likes when a chili is just overloaded with stuff. Just make your chili simple. Beans, beef, maybe a little bit of tomato. Um, but just keep it simple. You don't need to dump 10 different ingredients in it. Um, so yeah, mayo and, mayo and chili, or 10, and, and there's a lot of ingredients because you obviously have to, the flavor, but I mean like 10 different vegetables in it is what I mean. Um, but butter on rice, no. Never tried it, never will. Um, from the 348. Try tartar sauce on French fries. This guy or girl sounds like the person who had tartar sauce that got out of their filet fish 
And because it seeped out, they needed to eat it, so they took some fries and they swiped it up, put it on the fry, and ate it. Um, think I might have done it once in my life. Said no, moved on. And from uh, one more from the seven, uh, one more here, couple more seven eight zero. What's wrong with these people? Boy, the the that that the voice is going. I need it for two hours tomorrow. What's wrong with these people? Show you on rice. That's it. I mean, yeah, I agree. Fair. Um, I believe in. I I believe sometimes in experimentation, and it's okay. Just not ketchup. Just look, not look, butter. Take, take it up with the seven-year-old me. <laughs> Go back in time. Be like, hey, child Tanner, your taste sucks. Stop doing that. You know. You know what we need. I I don't know. This could be a a fun digital thing. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know that it would work on this show. Maybe it could. Maybe maybe there could be a segment on this show where you tattle on your friend. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking ideas up off my head. Your friend might have what you believe is a really, really weird food quirk. And you just want to rat that person out. We'd call it taking it to the food court. And I just realized that also could go with just food courts at any mall in America. Um, we take a panel of us. We listen to what is this weird food quirk. And the food court decides whether your friend, your wife, your daughter, your son, your husband, whoever it is, is innocent or guilty of committing a food crime. Don't you think that could, I don't know, that, that could be something. That could be kind of fun. Get people tattling on each other, then they find out. Did you call that radio station and say that I put sriracha sauce on my rice and complain about it, and then we end friendships? Who's Could complaining about their own children's taste in food? Hey, parents need to let it out sometimes. Sometimes they have wouldn't nowhere that be, to go. Wouldn't that be a little <laughs> bit on the parent? Wouldn't that be a little bit on the parent? Because they're like, I give up. Eat this. I don't. I don't care. It could. I mean, hey, sometimes you have nowhere to turn. You need an outlet to go to. And sometimes, which is what sports radio has become for those who are fans of teams that are just awful, sometimes we have been that outlet. We've been known to make people feel better. We've also been known to make people cry. I mean, we are we are that outlet. This is what happens when you make us watch New Mexico. Is what I think what this segment. So, is so you're saying into. this is my fault? Well, kind of my fault. I did turn it back to the yeah, New Mexico, but I think in all we can blame New Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, for the debatably good or bad that, like you say, the cherry red uniforms. Oh, and hopefully yeah. we never have to watch another New Mexico game again until Hawaii plays New Mexico at some point, whenever that is. Um, we'll get to the phones at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. By the way, if, in case you're wondering. Uh, we mentioned ketchup on rice. Well, um, go figure. New Mexico misses a field goal. Uh, so, so that kicker must be guilty of a food crime of putting ketchup on his rice. Uh, Neil, good afternoon to you. How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? So I have a friend who puts um, Thousand Island dressing on his rice. No. Which no, I think no, is no, like, no. which is a, which is a, Pretty egregious food crime, if you ask me. Like, I think that's 
super weird. Okay, let's take but, this to the panel. Let's um, take this to the panel. Uh, Tanner, is a Thousand Island dressing on rice, do you consider this something that uh, that is criminal? As a ketchup rice kid, I will consider this criminal because Thousand Island sauce is basically a uh, a snobby version of ketchup and mayonnaise <laughs> and relish put together. Right. And I can't get and I cannot get behind putting mayonnaise in rice. So I will agree. I'm gonna go with a crime on that one. Okay, Tanner calls it a crime um, as the only other person on this court, which means uh, we we can we can split. We can be unanimous. Uh, I am I am calling that a crime as well. So um, yeah, tell tell your friend knock it off. That's not good. Yeah, for real, man, for real. But like, I mean, the ketchup on the rice thing, like they do that in Japan with their like um, with their omu rice. Okay. They put like egg and then ketchup. And well, I guess you're combining like it, it with something. You're you're combining it with something else, which I think makes that a little bit different. You're adding a you're adding a third component to it. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, like, I don't know, man. It's just like weird to me. Like egg rice and ketchup, and that's it, and that's their meal. I'm like, no, not my jam. <laughs> but then, but then again, like you know, you talked about like having rice and stuff, like like rice and entree. You have to. You have to portion your rice and your entree evenly, like you said. And the, the number one culprit of not doing that is L and L, dude. They give you like like oh, half a pound, like a half a pound of rice and like two ounces of meat, right? So Oh yeah, I'm man! Calling out, I'm oh calling, man! I'm calling them out. I'm calling Eddie Flores out. Uh, I'm meat with my uh, now we got names too. Neil, good to hear from you. Thank you for dialing in. Oh, from oh. what I'm hearing from Neil is I'm just in touch with my Japanese side. From from what I'm hearing from Neil, he and Eddie are no longer friends after this. Uh, man, that 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 took a turn really. We started really quick. something dangerous. Wow. Gosh. Yeah, we started something dangerous. I think it's kind of compelling. Look at the text messages. We'll go back to them coming up uh, in just a moment. Hey, don't forget, call the coach Wednesday night at 6, Ruby Tuesday in the Moanalua Shopping Center. Uh, call or text in on the uh, Michigan game and the upcoming home game against Duquesne. It's not just a home game. It's homecoming against Duquesne. It's brought to you by PAXA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, uh, and HGEA. We will go to the uh, we'll, we'll go back to the text messages. More on food. I just got called out on one of these text messages. Uh, I'll explain that in a moment. But first, our M Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, they are at the half. Boise State's got a ten nothing lead on New Mexico. Uh, there is nothing good about this game. This is the I, I guess we can amend it. This is the Thousand Island dressing on rice game. It's that bad, uh, but yet New Mexico is still in it at home. Uh, that game is at half. And uh, in Major League Baseball, games in progress right now include the New York Yankees, who just seemingly want to give away the American League East. Yankees trailing the Tampa Bay Rays 4-1. to It's in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, bottom of the ninth, Rangers trailing Toronto 4-3. to Astros lead the Angels 3-2, to bottom of the eighth inning. And uh, that's, that's the gist of the scoreboard here. On this Friday night, most everything uh, not not close. Actually, a few more close ones. Arizona leading Colorado 10-9, top of the seventh. Atlanta leading Seattle 3-2, top of the fourth. Oakland on top of the White Sox 1-0, top five. And the Dodgers lead San Diego 1-0 in the visiting half of the second. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. Traffic right here. It's Motown Friday. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. 
Did you play this for all those people that put ketchup on rice? This line just goes with it. <laughs> hey, don't forget, next Thursday, we're going to be at Growler Hawaii for the really big road show. Gary Dickman, myself, Kanoa Leahy, will all be around chopping it up with uh, some of our favorite people, some of your favorite people, uh, including Zeke Lau, including Laura Beeman, including Rich Hill, and uh, so much more. That is coming up next Thursday, 3 to 6. It is uh, the really big road show. We're taking the sports animals, the afternoon show on the road uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu and taking it to uh, Growler, Hawaii. I didn't know that just bringing up food, I should have known, just bringing up food was going to elicit all of this response. I had no idea whatsoever. I'm wondering how many people texting in right now um, – had an early lunch. I'm also wondering that. Uh, we had uh, we had a lot of texts that have uh, that have come in since we uh, we we still brought this up. And by the way, I'm not calling out individual places. So uh, if if you're to text me individual places, I am not going there. Um, couple of texts here. This one from the three four three. Sweet chili sauce on rice. I actually think that's kind of good. Um, I think I've done it once. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. From the 221, mayo on leftover spaghetti. <laughs> Get a slice of bread and make a sandwich out of it. <laughs> Boy, the reaction from Tanner in the other room, his eyes just lit, lit up in disgust. Like... I believe. I don't mean to judge. No, no, I don't me, mean let, to judge. Let me, let me finish. Let me finish I would say it's strong as disgust. Let, let me, let me, let me finish painting your picture before you say it. The look Tanner gave of all of the different food combinations we've talked about. If I were to give you a food court ruling on his face, that was a life sentence without parole. For and I quote, mayo on leftover spaghetti. Get a slice of bread. And make a sandwich out of it. Close quote. Okay, Tanner. Now that I've painted the picture of your face, there. I'll ask one question. What's the bread for? Just eat it. <laughs> Are you trying to hide it from yourself? Are you trying to like hide the mayo spaghetti from yourself? And you're like, I'm just eating a sandwich. I'm I'm imagining That's, what. Just eat the spaghetti at that point. I, I imagine what carbs. I I don't know. I'm trying I'm trying to come up with an excuse for it. I don't know that I can. Uh Aaron uh texting, come on, Josh, Big Island boy. If you're eating a main dish that tastes better with ketchup, then you squeeze some ketchup on your rice. Okay. Um that I I I it sounds like that's not just a big island thing though. Gravy burgers apparently to some people think that they think that is a big island thing. That is one thing I very much like. Uh one more here. Ketchup on fried noodles. This comes from the 636. Let me repeat. Ketchup on fried noodles. That probably sounds like one of those where some people say, don't knock it till you try it. I'll 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 knock it every day. Here's another one. I can see it. I can see it in my head. Trey text in definition of a sauce. Thick liquid served with food, usually savory dishes to add moistness and flavors. So if someone adds a sauce slash dressing to anything and it adds a flavor, which is a matter of personal perspective, then you can't judge on it. Wrong! 
<laughs> That's what sports radio is for. We're full of judgments. Flavors are a personal thing. Thousand Island is delicious, by the way. Uh, it's great on a salad. I'll I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's not. If you got uh, like the bougie one with the capers, then yeah, that's cool. That's not arguable. Not yeah. mixing it with rice. No, sorry. Uh, and one more uh, seven two one saw one guy use ranch dressing on rice uh, to each his own. I don't. I I I don't know that that matches. Um, and I I feel like I need something like hearty to go with rice, or I, I, I don't know about ranch dressing on rice. And that's, I think, a very good place to remind you about our Scoring Live ESPN Honolulu High School football scoreboard. Every Friday and every Saturday night, uh, get the scores of the games going on across the state, whether it's your uh, alma mater, whoever it is. uh, Make sure you check it out on our social media platforms. It is brought to you by BMW of Honolulu and Ron D. Solar Services. Sports Center coming up. Mayonnaise with beef stew from the 352. I mean, I guess if it's okay to put it on chili and it's 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 okay, then I could say it's probably okay to put it in beef stew. But now I think we're just kind of stretching it just a little bit. Sports Center on the way. It's ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 14.20 a.m. as we uh, get you through your Friday afternoon commute. One of our listeners want to hear some KC and the Sunshine Band on a Motown Friday. That's our theme for today with uh, the Rainbow Warrior football team in Michigan, the state where Motown was born. Kind of uh, takes a little bit of the edge off of the the football conversation and how, frankly, how tough the conversation is this week. Uh, around the, uh, surrounding University of Hawaii football. Uh, thanks so much for making us a part of your Friday commute. We've got another look at traffic in uh, about 12 minutes. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. Let's see what we've done today. Uh, we've done outrage on shifts in baseball. We've talked about... Um, one of the things I actually do feel confident about in uh, Hawaii and Michigan coming up tomorrow, kickoff 205 uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu and across the Rainbow Warrior Network. And we have um, we've opened up a food court uh, to, to air uh, to hear the airing of grievances. And then we quickly closed the food court after one of the grievances seemed to get just a little too personal. And we realized I think we've got to retire it for the day. Uh <laughs> That's it. That was that was a fun couple of segments that we had uh, in the last hour. Of course, uh, all eyes are on the big house coming up uh, tomorrow with Hawaii and Michigan. And I mean, I, I think the common theme that I think I've I've taken away from a lot of people. I I, I think it, unless you're like some people who have been, I think, playing the old NCAA football video game from way back when and um, you know, trying to find any simulation that makes you feel good about a, a potential win, I think the the common prevailing theme, first and foremost, is, you know, I, I think you're looking for one or two or three things that, will make you feel good about the team 
you know, with with conference play a couple of weeks away, with a, a homecoming game next Friday or next Saturday against Duquesne, that you're looking for things that will, um, you know, will will uh, will allow you to feel better. The first two games have not really given that opportunity uh, against teams that are fairly um, better than Hawaii. And, uh, and and everybody kind of knew it for the most part going in. Maybe a lot of people underestimated Vanderbilt and, and its skill level. Uh, but people seem to know it about Western Kentucky. And Western Kentucky did what I think most people probably expected them to do. Uh, and Vanderbilt seemed to go above and beyond what a lot of people expected uh, the Commodores to do uh, against Hawaii. But I, I think the prevailing things are as follows for me. Health is one of the biggest ones. And, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that whatever happens, and it, it could be very tough for sure, but whatever happens by the time uh, you leave the big house on Saturday night, that uh, you handle personnel, I think, accordingly. These are the toughest games for coaches, uh, not to coach, because, I mean, you the coaching part doesn't change. The... The part that I think is is the better word to use is the word manage. Um, you know, it's it's managing personnel. If a game gets to a certain point, you know, you're you're now talking about okay, what, well, when do we just say the ones need to grab a seat? If it's uh, at a certain point in the game where it's a, a you know what whatever the 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 point total spread is, because again. Your eyes are are on a on a bigger picture. You're you're not in conference play right now. Uh, you're in non-conference play, and you're trying to prepare yourself for conference. And you know it's good to prepare yourself for a conference game against one of the the four best teams in the nation, according to uh, most experts. And I would I would say safely, I believe Michigan is one of the four best teams in the nation, based on what it did against Colorado State. And I think there's a lot more to prove. I have also said my. My airing of grievance today on Michigan is that its non-conference schedule is one of the most embarrassing non-conference schedules I've ever seen, and um, you know that that's uh, that's kind of criminal playing three group of five teams at home in consecutive weeks without a power conference team somewhere in the middle. So uh, that that's that's my gripe with uh, with with Michigan. But if you're Timmy Chang, you know third game as a head coach and the coaching part is important, but the managing part out of this is going to be so much more. By the time you walk out of there, and 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 whatever the score happens to be, and whatever you know, the, the margin happens to be. You know, part of the the managing as well is about I think managing how these uh, how these student athletes are feeling the way some of these games have gone. When you get to a point where you're potentially 0-3, if that happens against Michigan, if you fall to 0-3, and you're seeing, and I'm going to just quote um, something that on on Twitter, one of our our Twitter followers had said a little while ago, which is 77-7, I think, is, is, is what the score differential has been in the second half. It's one thing... To struggle in the first half, get down big in the first half, 
and, you know, kind of fight and claw and, you know, keep things relatively even, give or take a few points in the second half. That's one thing. But it's been kind of the opposite, and it can be incredibly demoralizing. And I still think back to that first game against Vanderbilt, and part of why everything was so demoralizing in the second half was, yeah, the game got out of hand because it was manageable at half, but it just it seemed like it, it seemed like the air deflated out of the balloon, and it was almost like you saw a team that it, you know, you, you saw how deflated they were. You could see it. And while it wasn't a team, that, that team has not shown any quit in it. That is a gritty team. Um, that is a team that has has given its best effort and has struggled in its first two, game, you, first two games. You could see how demoralized at times in the second half that group was, given how these games have gone. So um, that's one of the things that you have to manage is you're, you're managing how you use your personnel. These games are more difficult to do that than in a close conference game. And I think you, you, you have to manage the emotions of your personnel. And this is, a, again, this type of game is one of the toughest games to do it because you know the money's rolling in, but you also know, look, you want to win. You want to go in there and you want to shock the world being a 51 uh, and a half point dog and you know you you want to see things happen that um, give you great confidence moving forward you also have to keep these student athletes heads up and you've got to allow them to feel okay um, I keep thinking of something, and I, I always tend to go back to baseball for whatever reason. But you know, after doing 52 games and you know meeting with Rich Hill for all but like one of them because it was a doubleheader day, or all but one or two, you know, we have these conversations all the time about tough performances, and sometimes you have like one or two that you know, just kind of stand out as as uh, uh, oh yeah. The other one, I was thinking the two with the uh, the, the doubleheader days. I forgot about the one when we found out he was suspended the day of. So there's three. Shout out to Dave Nakama for, uh, for, for that impromptu interview on that day in Santa Barbara. Um, I remember one of those conversations in, in which he said, you know, you, you still have to highlight the positives even when it can get tough. And you might get outplayed. It might not be for a lack of effort. Sometimes it might be. I haven't seen it with this group in two games. But it might sometimes be – it was just an off day. You see it more in games in, – in sports where you play every day um, or, or every weekend and you, or maybe a four and five or something like that. And sometimes you see it there. Um, and you have to know where to, to highlight the, the positive from the negative. Again, seeing the long haul because still – while we're watching some Mountain West teams, you know, start to play the games that matter in the conference standings, like Boise State and New Mexico right now, um, Hawaii is still 0-0 where it matters in Mountain West play. And once you get to that first Mountain West game, uh, you want to ensure that your team's mindset, despite whatever might happen in the games previously, and whatever happens... In, in this game against Michigan is where the mindset needs to be 
when uh, when when they take the field in those games that take that kind of uh, of an of a higher meaning. That's why it's so difficult. And then, you know, I think the other thing, and it's it's part coaching, it's um, it's part managing, but I think the third part here is, you know, truly how much you dig into details. And, you know, this is where good coaching staffs, I think, kind of earn their longevity in what they do. These are the toughest games to which you have to dig deep and find the details that might lead to, I don't know, um, a, a position battle during practice in the next week. That might lead to a change at quarterback. That might lead to something you do differently as part of your offensive scheme. That might lead to whether you make a determination of um, more blitzes, less, less blitzes. Um you know, maybe what if you get more aggressive on on a third and short defensively? I, I don't know. I mean, um, it's hard to find some of that here, but a good coaching staff has to. Because let's say, for giggles, that it is a, a, a game that is decided by 52 points and it's the over on the 51 and a half point spread. And let's say it is 52 to zero, or let's say it is 55 to three. Again, I'm just throwing the number to throw the number. It's not like in a game like that, every single thing that takes place in that game was bad. There will be plays that are mixed in that, you know, frankly, were fine. Uh, maybe good, maybe leads to something. And a good coaching staff that will earn longevity in what they do, a good coaching staff will be able to find those through some of the the thick rough, to, to take a golf phrase, and be able to dig those out, build on those, and um, help in your game plan for your next week. So... You know, a game like this puts a little more pressure on Coach Chang. It puts a little more pressure on both your offensive and defensive coordinators. Because at the end of the day, a lot more is going to be asked of them, regardless what the score is, close, not so close, whatever side it's on, a lot more is going to be asked of them to try to dig out and unearth the things that you could build on in the right manner, um, you know, moving to the next game. And that's what I'm going to be looking for uh, come Saturday. The score will be what it is, and and we'll see where that score lies by the time we hit about 5.30 in the afternoon tomorrow. Um, but as, as, as Coach Martinez and I will be sitting at Big City Diner in YPO, and watching the game, and he's going to be taking his um, his great penmanship notes on his clipboard, and I'm going to be sitting there and just trying to you know steal his notes and then uh, use the eye test to kind of see where I want to lead things during the halftime show. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to look at that and you know kind of kind of determine. All right, well, 
What are we gathering? And so that's what we'll see uh, coming up tomorrow. We'll get to the text line coming up in just a little bit. The Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. First, a look at traffic as we uh, get you through your Friday. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. If you're wondering, if you're just tuning in, you got in your car and you're like, this is a little bit different. Uh, it's uh, Motown Friday. This is our theme for the day. Is uh, We're bringing you some of the uh, Motown hits to celebrate Hawaii football in the state of Michigan. And uh, also because, you know what? I think we just enjoy good music. Uh, you know, at, at some point, even if Hawaii weren't in Michigan, uh, I think we would have found a way at some point to be able to... Uh, uh, be able to enjoy some good Motown tunes. So uh, that's what we bring to you here over the course of the show today. We've gotten a few requests. You can uh, get yours into us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can uh, send us your tweets. So we are at Sports Animals. And get to us directly at Josh on the radio. Another look at uh, traffic is coming up in just a little while. Uh, this texter from the 798. Josh, what's your thoughts on the over-under on Michigan scoring over 50 versus Hawaii? And what's your thoughts on the over-under on Hawaii scoring over 21? All right, well, we've turned to over-unders today. Um, Michigan, a 51.5-point favorite, 33.5-point favorite in the first half, and now... The scoring numbers, thoughts on the over-under on Hawaii scoring over 21, thoughts on the over-under on Michigan scoring over 50 versus Hawaii. Uh, let's start with the second one. Uh, Hawaii scoring over 21. That's been tough for Hawaii to do um, in, in the first couple of games, and we're now talking about having to do that against the number four team in the nation when that has been tough for Hawaii to do when they've had to do it against Vanderbilt and Western Kentucky, two good teams in their own right, but two teams that are, frankly, um, not Michigan. So um, if I had to, I don't usually like to, but if I had to, I'd probably end up going with the under on uh, on Hawaii scoring, what, 21 uh, against Michigan, and it's, and it's tough to say, but I think there's a lot of respect that goes to the uh, to the Michigan defense, which I think we're all kind of forgetting. I mean, we're, we're talking about Hawaii's offense as much as we are because Hawaii's offense has not left a, a lot of good things to talk about, frankly, in the first couple of weeks of the year. But um, I think we have to give credit where credit is due. Michigan's defense is exceptional, and uh, you would expect would be – very well prepared um, for a game like this. One more tech. Oh, and on um, uh, Michigan scoring over 50. I'm not sure about that one. Um, I, I think it would be close. And I, I guess if if you had to ask in a, in a game with that, that spread, I guess I'd have to say, yeah, I think there's a chance they go over that. We'll see you tomorrow, by the way, at uh, Big City Diner, YPO. It is countdown to kickoff with Coach Arnold Martinez and me at Big City Diner with the uh, Mega Modellos. Make sure you check those out 
Uh, we've got those on special for 7 bucks. Thank you to Paradise Beverages, Modelo Especial, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. Uh, traffic, Sports Center next. Yeah. Tanner picked this one. As he said, this is uh, this is like a dedication to the University of Hawaii football team, which I wasn't sure what song it was going to be. And now that I'm now that I'm hearing it, uh, now that I know what song you you chose here, now I uh, I, I understand. I also believe this is uh, this is not just a a. I'm going to channel my nighttime. Uh, DJ, my old uh, love songs and dedications mode way back when. This song is dedicated to the University of Hawaii football team. That's that's the voice you'd have to use, you know, when you're trying to set the mood. Um, but I'd say this is also a dedication to those who just need, you know, those fans who just, uh, you know, you, you, you need you need a little pick me up, you need a little clarity. Need a little perspective. Need a little, little bit of, a uh, little bit of calm after the first couple of weeks. That song is, uh, is for them as well, because uh, it's the reminder. Now I'm, I'm thinking of some, several people I've talked to uh, over the last couple of days. I keep thinking about uh, the, the driver from the, um, the car dealership that I was talking to the other day. When uh, he was listening to the radio station as he was driving people around in uh, in his shuttle and was saying, you know, people need to realize that they've got to have a little bit of patience. They've got to have a little bit of trust. Uh, they've got to give it some time. Let things work out. Give things a chance. And I feel like uh, – I, I, I feel like that was kind of uh, – Kind of the hint with that song, right? Um, to kind of find the the proper perspective, you realize, yeah, right now that you, you might be looking up at, uh, at at one of the steepest mountains on Earth, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that you can't climb it. Or I will I will use for for those people that really do not like doing the uh, cocoa head stairs, I'll. Uh, I will say, you know, I'm sure it looks from the very bottom like it is very, very, very steep. And you feel like you have and, – and, and oh, by the way, yeah, it's – it's yeah, done it. Um, and it feels like that is very insurmountable, but it is not about how long it, – it, it well, correction. It is not about being the first to get to the top of the stairs – if you're trying to copycat those who do the stairs like five times a day, and there are people who do the stairs several times a day uh, or in a day, um, it is not about that. It is about at some point getting to the top of the Cocoa Head stairs and seeing the tremendous views that you can see from the top of the Cocoa Head stairs and then 
um, being able to revel in that view at the top of the Cocoa Head stairs and uh, and know that, say, that, you know, you do it again, you know you can do it again. And it's not about being the fastest to do it, but having the belief and the confidence that you can go back up and do it again. I also say that because I remember the first time I did, I, I attempted to do the Cocoa Head stairs a long time ago. I was like, no, I can't do it. And I stopped. And I, I think it was halfway right to the, uh, that, that point right in the middle. I was like, and this is long, long time ago. I was like, I can't do it. And I think it might have been a couple of years ago where, where I did it. My wife and I did it. And, but I remember at, at the end of it, um, I, I was like, okay, I'll get down there. It's going to take me a little while. And I just let her go. She, she was done. She got all the way down well before I did because she's great at that stuff and I'm not. And I just kind of took my time and, you know, um, I trusted the process of giving myself the time to get down the Cocoa stairs, the Cocoa Head stairs. And probably like 10 to 15 minutes after she finished. Yeah, I know. I took, I, I really did take my time. Trusted it, got down there, was good. Yeah, that that would be the um, the analogy that took too long to describe kind of the feeling right now with with Hawaii football and what I would may not urge, but kind of remind people sometimes about kind of the situation that Hawaii football is in and having that in the perspective, given everything that's happened, to not be so tunnel visioned about it. Um, but to be able to see the entire picture, take it for um, you know for for what it is, accept it, um, you know, throw some support behind it, understanding how difficult of a job this is, um, and and then and then trying as as best as you can to get behind it. Texter from the seven nine eight saying channel the Motown, but also says uh, Josh, that was a good nighttime DJ jazz voice, bro. We get taught, well, actually, no, we don't get taught. We get taught not to. Uh, we find ourselves sometimes uh, trying to, uh, you know, when, when we first get in the business to to try to, like, sound like what we're not because everybody's like, oh, it's about the voice. And um, nowadays, it's not, being on the radio isn't necessarily so much about your voice. Uh, it's about what you do with it. Especially in in sports talk radio, it's more about what you do with it rather than you know actually your your voice. Um, but there are some times where you know you you have to your your voice has to go to something or it has to relate to something. And so yeah, I've done um, love songs and dedications. The uh, the the seven to midnight it was taped. <laughs> I let's be honest, it was taped. There weren't really. I, I I shouldn't admit it, but it wasn't here, so I can. Um, there were there were really no no calls from people saying, "Hi, uh, I want to dedicate a song to my boo. I miss her. Hope she's having a good night. Hope she's listening." You know, it's really not that voice. I I, I can't I I can't do it. There there was none of that. So. Instead of having that to be able to set the mood, it was uh, 
the voice has to set the mood for the songs that you're playing. And so, yeah, it was uh, love songs at night, love songs and dedications. Now the voice is bad, but earlier it, it, it kind of worked out. Um, but the texter says, let's hear Tanner's nighttime DJ voice. Tanner says no. Because well, you, you don't have one. Or it's you'd... too late in the day. <laughs> if this was like right as soon as I woke up, it'd probably be better. But unfortunately, I don't think I have one of those yet. Um, Wait, what do you mean yet? I don't know. You never know. I mean, you're still, determining, I'm still, your, young. You're, you're still I'm, determining your voice. I still got potential, as they say. My potential rating on my overall score could be scored at a B plus, maybe an A minus potential. No one's rating your voice. No. No one's rating your voice. Everybody's rating your content. Uh, like that's what they do. I will say though, Mark Hayworth. Uh huh. A plus voice. Okay. Okay. Why am I not surprised? Uh, one more. This is uh, this is from the two nine one. How about this song for the UH football team? Oh, geez. Uh, Mr. Custer by Larry Vern. Never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going back to the old texts, and uh, I'm, I'm seeing why that's one of the requests that's going out there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a really good Motown song lined up for our final Motown song of, uh, of the uh, Motown-themed show honoring the Hawaii football team being in the state of Michigan and uh, taking in everything before getting ready for business tomorrow uh, against the Michigan Wolverines. Hey, we get a uh, bonus M. Dyer Global scoreboard here. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. You know what's uh, probably worse than the last attempt at my uh, nighttime DJ voice? The New Mexico Lobos offense. It is... um, I'm I'm telling you, it is the cherry red jerseys that they have to look at. They have to look at each other wearing on the sidelines, and I don't know how your eyes don't get bloodshot over it. Um, that has that has to cloud your ability to see clearly. The New Mexico offense, ladies and gentlemen, has run uh, what twenty? Uh, tw- I think they've run twenty-seven. No, no, no. I I can't tabulate here they've i believe run 47 plays they have 48 yards of offense and they've been in this game for uh, against boise state for a good chunk of it uh they're not really in it now uh 14 46 to go in the fourth quarter boise state leads new mexico 24 to nothing but here's a, a bit of perspective and this is why new mexico has probably cemented its spot as the worst team in the josh on the radio mountain west power rankings I think it is now uh, official. We will uh, we will commemorate that bottom spot and we will give it an actual name, the New Mexico number twelve, which we'll you know just give to New Mexico. New Mexico, uh, who by the way just scored to make it twenty four to six. Boise State's offense. You know, I don't know how this works. You talk really bad about New Mexico and they come back and score. As you're talking bad about them, New Mexico, uh, Boise State hasn't been great here. Hank Bachmeyer's only 12 of 21 for 132 yards. I think they got a score and a punt block, if I'm not mistaken. Um, George Holani is only getting about three yards a pop rushing the football. Boise State does not look good. 
And, you know, against New Mexico, this score should be like 48 to 7. If this were Boise State about seven years ago, it would be 48 to 7. It is 24 to 7 as the Lobos have just scored a touchdown with 1435 to go in the fourth quarter. Um, that is one of two, I don't want to say important. I mean, that game, obviously, you pay attention to because uh, it is in the Mountain West. The other uh, notable game tonight is uh, the game that has uh, gone final. Louisville over UCF 20-14. to And shout out to Andre Ware, the uh, analyst on ESPN2 tonight for the Louisville-UCF game. He and play-by-play guy Roy Philpott, um, in their scene set, they were talking about how UCF has visions of being what Cincinnati was last year. One of those teams to break the mold and get into the top four and compete for a spot for a national championship. And they lose tonight as Louisville scored 13 unanswered in the second half to come from behind and win 20-14. First loss of the year for uh, UCF. That is your M. Dyer Global Scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. It seems like that's been happening a lot lately. It's been happening a lot where we say something and then the opposite happens. Didn't that happen with... um, Happened with the Rams. It happened with the Rams. It happened um, with the no-hitter or two. Uh, It's happened where we've mentioned somebody not getting a hit. And I think it was a Giants game, in fact. And in the span of us talking, a hit and a run all scored to break a no-hitter and a shutout. It has uh, indeed happened. And by the way, it was thanks to offense, New Mexico scoring a 69-yard touchdown pass, which on that one play gave them more offense than the entirety of what they had prior to that one play. Hey, uh, we'll see for Call the Coach with Timmy Chang on Wednesday at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. Not only will we look back at the Michigan game, we'll look ahead to homecoming night against Duquesne. Call the Coach is brought to you by PAXA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, and HGEA. All right, you know what to do. We got to close out Motown Friday Strong. That's next after a look at traffic. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. How we top this next Friday? Like, how do we how do we top Motown Friday? We've we've done the Doobie Brothers. We've done Motown now. What do we do next week Friday uh, for a themed musical experience? We'll think about that during the week. We might uh, we might put it back to our Twitter at uh, Josh on the radio. Uh, you can get to us at Sports Animals. This is the Sports Animals. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You know, all of what we've done today, and we've kind of, except for maybe two minutes, glossed over the fact that NFL Week 1 is in full on Sunday. I mean, obviously, Hawaii and Michigan is at the top of our minds. Um, People putting ketchup on rice has been at the top of our minds today. 
Well, just because I put it there uh, for whatever reason. And, um, you know, we've we've been kind of focused in on, on what happened today with Major League Baseball. So, uh, for the final thought today, the uh, the three games that I am willing to give you that I think you can stamp down and put it on the board. Yes. Uh, week one in the National Football League. I will start with one that is really, really obvious. Baltimore Ravens. New York Jets. Uh, you'll hear that here on ESPN Honolulu coming up on Sunday. Coverage begins at 6. Why is this so obvious? Lamar Jackson is playing without a new deal. The Jets are going to be without Zach Wilson. It's going to be Joe Flacco. Um, this is not going to be close. Uh, I'm sorry. The Jets are destined for another bad year. And uh, Lamar Jackson, I believe, will make himself a top three MVP finalist in the National Football League and um, you best believe that uh, he will make the Baltimore Ravens regret giving him everything he's worth. The sad thing about it is you know what's going to happen next year, right? The Ravens, in all of their stubbornness, will franchise him because they are so stubborn. Um, and it will lead to, I think, the potential that in a few years, Lamar Jackson's playing for another team. And that would be... Uh, that would be a travesty. So uh, I have Ravens over the Jets. That's uh, that's one of the games I believe that you can lock in. Speaking of locking it in, all those people who believe I've got something against the Dallas Cowboys, this one is for you. Cowboys at home losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. You can lock that one down. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, again, um, I think we question a little bit of their defense. I want to see Tom Brady uh, rested from the preseason. I want to see how he looks. But you know what's you know what's going to happen. There there are um, there are, are are now things that I think we can be we can feel very confident about every time that you watch a Dallas Cowboys game. It's it's like. Uh, when you when you live life, the things that you know are going to happen, death and taxes. You know when you watch a Dallas Cowboys game, you know that one thing will happen. Mike McCarthy will screw up a situation that involves the clock. And you also know that there will be some kind of unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the defense somewhere. Um, and the Cowboys will lose a game at home that they should win. They won't win this one. And as Tanner reminds me, Chance Godwin could play for Tampa Bay. Lock this one in. Or Chris, there's a chance, you know, ch there's a chance Godwin could play. Sorry, I miss, I don't know why I read it that way. Chris Godwin could play. Lock it in. Bucks win. Uh, and uh, I think it will probably be a, a, a touchdown game. My final lock it in. I'm going to give you what should be a close one. And it probably will be. Browns and Panthers in Carolina. There is nothing like a Baker Mayfield who is so ticked off at how everything went in, in Cleveland, and then he had to go compete for the starting job in Carolina. Uh, Baker Mayfield's going to go off, and it's going to help that uh, Christian McCaffrey's playing. He'll have uh, – probably won't rush for 100 yards, but he'll probably catch for about 70. Panthers – Two touchdowns over the Browns. 
lock that one down. We'll see you Monday. Enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you tomorrow for Countdown to Kickoff at noon. Coming up next, it is Freddie and Fitzsimmons. You're listening to the Sports Animals ESPN Honolulu.